Welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. Great sales teams are not recruited, they are built block by block. Let's get to work. What's up, guys? It's Saturday. We're doing a solo episode today. And uh, I had to come in the office on Saturday because we didn't knock it out during the week. I got the, I got a wedding coming up on Monday. I say a wedding like it's not my, I got my wedding coming up on Monday. We're doing a small, small service. If you guys don't know, I'm getting remarried. So we're doing a small service at the church of the pastor that married us the first time. And then uh, the following weekend on Saturday, we're going to do a big barbecue in the Hill Country, kind of celebrating our reunion. Uh, Pretty crazy story. If you've ever heard me in any other podcast interviews, and I've referenced it a few times on this show. Uh, But if not, go to my social media and just look up Restoration. And I'm sure one of my posts on there will kind of explain everything (laughs) or most of everything. But anyways, so... I got to get a couple of solo episodes done because we got that going on next week. Uh, Ryan, my producer for Building Great Sales Teams, will be on vacation next week. And he's not really even on vacation. This is the kind of people we have at this company. He's, he's a, a leader at his uh, church's camp next week. So they're doing a summer camp. And so he'll be volunteering for that. And that's going to be his vacation, I guess you could say. But uh, so he'll be out next week. So I need to get everything into him by Monday. And you guys will probably hear this episode on Wednesday or Friday. But um, getting into what this episode is about, uh, one of my favorite subjects. If you have worked with me in the past, you know I love my meetings. <laughs> I'm a big meeting person. And, and the reason I place so much importance on sales meetings is because when I was starting out, I was everything, right? I was the uh, assistant manager, the sales manager, the bookkeeper, the marketing manager, the uh, SOP writer. I mean, like, from top to bottom, I had to do everything. So the sales meetings were a way for me to have influence and to train and to connect with my sales teams without having to be in the field. And if you guys know, as a sales manager, you're most effective when you're in the field with your team, when you're shadowing them, when you're showing them how to how to walk through the sales process, whatever the case is, a lot of times you're most effective when you're in the field with them. And I wasn't able to do that early on because I had, you know, 50, 60 hours a week of work, uh, in the office, in the field, you know what I mean? So the sales meetings were my chance to kind of get everybody on the same page, make sure they had the information that they needed and the tools that they needed. And then and then bring the company together, right? Because, you know, when we started out, we were in Corpus Christi in Houston. And uh, I ran the Corpus Christi office and the company. And uh, my another leader at the time ran the Houston office. And he was more of a sales manager, right? And... Uh, Anyway, so that's kind of why they are important to me. And so I want to walk through kind of my notes for what makes great sales meetings. And 
all of these notes are going to be based on in-person meetings, but a lot of the things in these notes you can apply to a virtual meeting. Now, there's a lot of debate on sales teams and whether you need to meet every day. And we're going to get to that at the end of this episode. But for now, we're going to assume that you have a physical in-person sales team and that uh, you're doing meetings with them. So let's talk about the environment that you're hosting this meeting in, right? So the sales office is a critical piece of your sales program. And it's because it's a representation of two things. One, the company, and two, how you invest in your salespeople, okay? So if, you're, if your personal office is nicer than your training room, then you've got an issue, right? And so when we talk about the training room, and I'm just talking about the training room, not the whole office, although there is a lot of you know, things we can reference there about the whole office, but in general, let's just focus on the training room. Um, every, every company has colors, right? And our colors have always been, uh, it's called a Rocky Mountain Blue. And I think it's a Sherwin-Williams color, right? And so we had 13 offices at one time. And the way to kind of connect the company together, I was always concerned about that, having so many offices. And uh, how do we, how do we, how do you walk into an office and know it's an Argenta office? And a lot of that had to do with, in every office we had, uh, accent walls painted in what we called Argenta blue. It was a way that we created camaraderie, culture. And uh, if you look at a lot of our old pictures and stuff like that, or even our Corpus Christi office right now, we have the Argenta blue walls in there, right? And so um, it's incredibly important to create that branding in your company. And so the training room should definitely have an accent wall with with a, one of your company colors that kind of pops, Right. Too many people make the mistake of making the whole room one color, and it's just like, I don't know what it is about that. It's just kind of draining. All right, let's get into whiteboards, right? So you need more whiteboards than you think, right? So a standard-sized whiteboard is four feet by three feet, right? So you're going to need a minimum of two of those where the attention of the trainees is going to be, which is that training wall, right? And so you want those side by side. That's where you're going to do your actual training. That's where you're going to put things on the whiteboard. You know, and I love the glass whiteboards. Those are great. Um, they're tough to maintain. And uh, the, the white whiteboards are nice, but they're, they're, they're not sexy. Everybody's got the white whiteboards, right? Um, and then, so you're going to have those two up there. And I would recommend at least two other whiteboards. And the reason for that is, is, you know, you, you, you can have a few things in the whiteboard. One, of course, you want the numbers. And I know in the digital age that we live in, this sounds ridiculous. But the reason you want the numbers is when you are recruiting and you're giving a tour of the office or your, your opportunity meeting is in the, the training room or you're doing uh, group interviews, you want people to be able to walk by those whiteboards and see what your company is about. So you can list your core values on there. You can do uh, your rankings on there. Even if you just do top five, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Those numbers accordingly on there. You can do your competitions that are going on, your quarterly incentives. You can kind of, the state of the company in terms of the rep-facing stuff can be on those whiteboards. And that's a really cool... uh, 
feature to have when they walk in. They always know what's going on throughout the company because of that, right? Now, we have the apps and everything. We got the Slack and Gamify and Pronto and all these cool apps that will display all the same information, but you would be surprised at how little they pay attention to them if it's not about you know a particular sale or a bonus, right? And so, especially if you're having daily meetings, those whiteboards are going to be a source of information for them about basically where they're at in the rankings, where they're at in competitions, and how they stack up against the rest of the team. Competition at a very base level is not bad, right? When you start doing it from company to company, that's where it gets annoying, and you just need to focus on your own shit. All right, so that's everything on the whiteboards. Um, All right, the artwork that you have around the training room, I'm always going to pick function over, you know, having pretty artwork on the walls and stuff like that. But if you have room for it, then absolutely do it. If you look at, if you look around my office here, I've got, you know, at a minimum, you need your mission statement, your core values on the wall, right? Um, but you know, I have a bunch of, um, a bunch of the, you know, basically the motivational canvases that you see on Instagram and and Facebook and stuff like that, right across. The, the wall from my office is uh, you can't deposit excuses. I've got the mindset is everything. The success with the, uh, the mountain and then underneath the ocean is all the things it takes to make success. One of my favorite quotes is success is never owned. It's rented. And the rent is due every day, right? That quote was actually, that quote was actually created by Rory Vaden. And he was with Southwestern Consulting at the time. I think he has his own company now his own training company now, but he, uh, the rock Dwayne Johnson gets misquoted so many times that, that, that that's his quote. It's not his quote. It's Roy Raiden's quote. He was the first one to actually say that. And then there's been a bunch of different versions of it. Like success is never owned. It's leased and the rent is due every day instead of rented. Right. Um, I've got some other ones up there and then, after that, you're going to want to have the uh, the TV, right? So why why do we need a TV in a training room? That I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. A lot of times when you're training, you, you're using uh, training materials from other companies. Um, you're using video. You know, I, I, I know... I know a lot of sales-centric companies do motivational videos. I'm not a huge fan of them. Like once a week, maybe... But for a while there, my managers were doing them every day. And it was just the same crap over and over again. And you start to tune it out after a while, right? I, I, I believe in the motivational videos that aren't just a mashup of somebody working out and then different speakers speaking. I believe in the ones that actually have a message to them or that are a excerpt of somebody's speech from an event, you know what I'm saying, that actually make you think that actually you have actionable items in them not just rah rah gotta work hard gotta grind you know that whole deal right so the the tv you're gonna be able to utilize for that of course you know a lot of our sales presentations are digital so we're gonna be able to use the, the tv in that sense and then uh like right now we have a smaller team in san antonio that digitally attends our uh, team in Corpus Christi's meeting. So we use a Zoom portal for that. And so even though 
you know, I'm in the office here. I don't, I don't run sales meeting. Wayne, Wayne does the sales meeting. So the guys come into the office here. They sit at uh, our conference room table that we have. And then there's a TV on the wall and there's a Zoom portal there. And those Zoom portals are really cool. They're the closest thing to making you feel like you're in the room. And so Wayne is literally talking to his TV, which is the Zoom portal, to the guys in San Antonio. And he's talking to the guys in Corpus at the same time. It works. I know it sounds a little cuckoo, but it works. All right. So murals, uh, going back to like the artwork, one of the things I'm going to do, because I'm, mo- I'm actually moving offices in San Antonio across the hall. So Alicia, by the time this comes out, she'll be my wife, right? She started her own tutoring business. And... Um, we were looking for office space for her, and I, as we were looking for the space, and even before, it was, I, I had said it may be an option for her to take over my office because it's perfect for what she's doing. Tutoring kids, got a great natural light, open space. And so um, she's going to end up taking over this office. I'm going to go across the hall. The office across the hall is a lot bigger. It's going to be better for what we're doing here. You're gonna, I'm building out a, a, a podcast studio, in, or not a studio, but like, a backdrop and everything for it, so it's going to be pretty cool. Anyways, my point is we're going to do some murals in that new office, so we're going to find local artists that are going to come in and do some murals for us. And so don't be afraid, especially if you're in the direct sales game, to connect with your demographic of salespeople that work for you. You know what I mean? And that's that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I'm going to use that artwork. And then same thing is going to happen every time. Somebody's going to start working for us. They're going to walk into our office. They're going to see that artwork, and what are they going to do? They're going to take a picture next to it. Like, oh, at the office, at the new office, whatever. And what will happen is that artwork will become part of our brand. And I don't necessarily need to send a message through that artwork. Like, it, honestly, I'm thinking about doing, like, some sugar skulls, some uh, just, you know, general abstract design you know, I think we're going to do three of them total because there's these big blank walls when you walk in. So anyways, just some ideas for you guys because it doesn't always have to be the company, the company, the company. You know what I'm saying? Creating a culture is about more than the company colors or the company name or even sometimes the core values. You know, it, incorporating art into your company could be huge for you guys. So anyways, uh Chairs versus tables, okay? So you got the, like, the classroom style setup where there's a table and two chairs behind it. Maybe you got eight of those, you know what I mean? You've got just chairs, um, and then you've got, like, the conference room table in the training room, right? And so for me, this goes right along with the level of salesperson that you have. If you're doing door-to-door like I am most of the time, I'm just I'm saying just chairs, especially now that most of our guys take notes on their uh, devices, it's not really important for them to have something to put their their pen and pad down on, basically. You know what I mean? And uh, we there's something about not letting them get too comfortable in the office because in the office isn't where the magic happens, right? It's where the training happens, but out in the field is where the magic happens. So the more comfortable you make the office, which sounds crazy, right? The more comfortable you make the office, the more they want to hang out, stay there, chop it up. You know, that type of stuff. The office needs to be a place of work, a place where they go and basically work on their um, mindsets, their training, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so we normally do just chairs. 
But in the office that I'm setting up across the hall, we are going to do more of a classroom style where there's going to be two chairs to a table. And uh, that's because of the nature of what we're going to be doing here beyond just solar. You know, our referral partner division is going to meet here once a week as well. And then, of course, um, I'm going to have local networking events and um, eventually a, a training, a sales training event that I'm going to do here in San Antonio. So um, I wanted to be set up for all those things, right? And so going on to the next thing, we've got the TVs. Okay, so when you're setting up your office, too many people like, I don't know, cut corners, lazy, whatever. They don't want to spend the money, but no wires, guys. When I go into sales offices, I see it all the time. People don't take the time to hire the installer to mount the TV and drop the wire behind the wall. And so you got a clean look. You know what I'm saying? you got to take pride in your training room. you got to make sure it looks good. Make sure you don't have extension cords running everywhere and stuff like that. Make sure it looks like a legit office and spend the 100 bucks to have it professionally mounted and the, the wire to be dropped behind the wall. 150 bucks now, I'm sure. Um, and then make it fun, right? So we've done all kinds of stuff. Um, right now, we currently, in both of our office, we have these mini ping pong tables, right? And so this is something cool that the guys get to do before the meeting, after the meeting. Um, and I, I know I said don't make it too comfortable, but anything that gets them up and moving is, is what you want in your office. That's the kind of culture you want in your office, right? And so typically our guys play a few games before. You know, they all have, like, their little rankings in the office and then – after the meetings, they don't play too much. They head out to the field, right? Um, so also a utility table helps. You know, we've done, like, chess sets on the utility tables. You know, the guys bring in breakfast, tacos, sandwiches, whatever the case is. They have somewhere to eat. Um, most of our offices have spaces like that that they can get some work done if they need to, if they need to work on their leads, whatever the case is. There's a utility table somewhere around the office that they can take advantage of. Okay, so that's the, t- the training room, guys, and I know it's incredibly detailed, but you guys know me already. I'm going to basically give you, try and give you everything that I can think of over the past you know, 10 to 12 years that I've been doing that has worked really well for us. All right, so that is where you're hosting your meeting, right? Now let's talk about the actual meeting, the, the intro, the kickoff, the beginning of the meeting, 100% of the time needs to start with your core values. Any meeting that we do in the company starts with core values, all the way from the social media meeting to the company-wide meeting we have once a week. And that is a Zoom call. So whether it's a Zoom call in person, um, it, it doesn't matter. If three or more people are meeting, then y'all need to cover those mission statement and the core values in the beginning. It's going to do two things. It's going to um, set the tone for the meeting, right? It's also going to, basically, repetition is everything in our business, right? When you're doing sales and sales training, you need easy way to remember things. The easiest way to remember it is to say it every day. And so everybody in our company that has been with us for more than a month can probably recite our mission statement and our core values right now, which is powerful, guys. Um, okay, so the next thing we do, and, I, and I, I got this from EOS, the EOS system, and you basically go around the room and ask everybody for their good news. And so there's two ways you can do it. You can open the floor. Hey, anybody got any good news to share? Share it. But for like the smaller meetings, just call on them individually. Hey, 
what's your good news for the day? And once you do it a few times, they'll come prepared with their good news, right? And then after that, it's company news and updates. So, you know, you got system changes, you got software changes, whatever the, the case is, things going on around the company, you know, new hires, recruits coming in, whatever the case is, you cover that then. If there's training that goes along with it, just make it short and sweet. You don't, or make the meeting about that training individually. If it's like a sales process training, like we got a CRM training coming up soon, that whole meeting is going to be about that training. We're not going to run a traditional style meeting like I'm explaining to you all today. Okay, so after company news and updates, then you want to go through numbers and competitions. This is where the energy starts rising in the room, right? Now we're talking about the actual production. We're talking about money that everybody's making. We're talking about the, you always want to do the sales from the day before, cover that every time. And uh, obviously, depending on your volume, if it's a high volume uh, product count, just do the total count for each rep, right? If it's, if it's something like solar, you know, where we do one to three solar sales a day, then that's going to, we're going to spend a little time on each one. All right. And then you go through the competitions, if you have any competitions going on, incentives, bonuses, and you want to update the team on those. And look, your digital app, your com- digital communication probably covers this. But you're tr- what you're trying to do is raise the excitement and the energy in the room throughout the meeting, right? And uh, in the beginning, you need to wake them up and get them thinking. And so there's, there's a reason that it's structured this way, just like your sales presentation is structured. Because you're trying to have them absorb the most information at the height of their emotion, right? And so we're bringing up the emotion in the room. We're bringing up the energy in the room. We've gone over numbers and competitions. And now one of my favorite parts is war stories, right? And so you want to give them the chance. Hey, anybody got any war stories today? So whether it's a funny story about the goofy guy that they sold yesterday or a story about overcoming 15 objections and ending up closing the customer. You know what I'm saying? Um, this is not the time to basically complain, right? You want to get all that stuff out before the meeting, right? If somebody's got a system issue, somebody's got a sales process issue, a product issue, uh, uh, another, you know, a HR issue, that all needs to be handled before the meeting. And, you, and that allows you to selectively bring up those issues in the meeting as a teaching tool versus somebody sitting there in the training complaining about the company, the product, the process, other salespeople. You don't want that. You don't want a bitch fest in your meeting, right? And so you want to get that stuff out before, and you and you have to train your guys to do that before. Hey, if you got an issue, come in early. I have this window open. Let me know you're coming so I can schedule you, whatever the case is, and then we can cover that issue, right? All right, after that, uh, so the step one is the kickoff, the intro, the beginning of the meeting, right? Now we're going to go into uh, uh, product knowledge, okay? Your meeting should be broken up into, into two major pieces, product knowledge and sales training. Don't flip back and forth. It's just like your uh, pitch. It's, it's intro, uh, qualify, present. Well, in this case, it's product knowledge and sales training and there's there's a reason that we do it this way and as we go on you'll kind of realize what we're doing here so again bringing up the energy in the room if you've done a good job in your kickoff your guys are ready to receive the information 
You know what I mean? They they recognize, oh, I got to beat this guy. I've got my my uh, I'm under all my sales numbers. Whatever the case is, you have given them reasons in that intro. You have r- risen their energy and given them reasons to listen up to this sales train. Okay. If you have a lot of your salespeople coming to you and saying, hey, I don't see where I have to meet every day. Um, if they're late to the meetings, if they're not showing up to the meetings, they're sending you a message that your meetings are boring. Okay. The whole reason I'm doing this episode is because too many sales managers stand at the front of the room and monologue for 40, 30, 40 minutes because they like the sound of their own voice. And they're, they're the, typically the best salesperson in the room sometimes, you know? And so they're very good at communicating this information. But the problem is, is I'm tired of hearing your fucking voice every day. You know what I'm saying? I'm tired of hearing you have the solution for everybody. Because you're not going to build a great sales team by being the only person with the answers. You're going to build a great sales team by empowering other leaders to answer the questions. By empowering other leaders to lead the meetings, right? And so when I talk about these next two pieces, product knowledge and sales training, this is where you insert your leaders. And they could be an assistant manager. They can be a trainer. They can be just a salesperson that has done really well last week. I, I used to love doing that. My, my guys that were only like 90 days old, if they had a really good day or a really good week, I would have them go to the front of the room and basically explain their version of why They've been so successful the last few days. And, of course, I would prepare them for that, and they would always, like, go to work ethic or training hard. But when they explained to, the, to me their last few sales presentations or something like that, I was able to pick out something that they were really good at, and then I would have them train on that, right? So you got to prep them to do it, okay? But a, a sales manager should rarely run, or a leader or one person, for that matter, should rarely run the whole meeting. You should be divvying up pieces of the meet of the meeting to different people, because what it does is it changes the it changes the energy in the room, and not in a good or a bad way. It's just something different. Because I know that, especially when we were first starting out, my guys got tired of listening to me. You know what I'm saying? So we would break things up by lifting up a trainer and having a trainer walk through his day yesterday, whatever the case is. So. You get my point, mix it up, different people at the front of the room, right? All right, so when you go into product knowledge, look, you need to, you need to when you're teaching, people learn in different ways. Some are audible, some have to read, and some need to see a visual, okay? Make sure that you have all three of those in your training. Obviously, audible is you talking. The visual is a, maybe a handout, something on the TV, or something you've drawn on the whiteboard that makes sense to the training that you're going after. All right. Um, one of my favorite things to do is pricing grids. Okay. And whether I'm handing it out to them and these pricing grids help them put together pricing for the product or whether I'm writing it on the board and showing them the formula to get to a certain price, pricing grids are incredibly important. You don't want your guys fumbling over their papers or fumbling through an app or whatever the case when the customer asks them for a loose price uh, during the uh, after the sales presentation or whatever the case is. If you're selling a higher volume, lower level product like energy, pest control, cable, you should have an easy to read pricing grid and your salespeople should be able to do it in their head. 
And there's a, a, a really cool tool to, to help you with that too that I'll give you during the sales training. All right, so um, you want to bring in your tools into the, into the product knowledge piece. Um, sometimes it's a visual, like, you know, let's say you brought a solar panel into a solar training. Some of these guys have seen solar installs, but they've never seen a panel up close. You know what I'm saying? So uh, you can use tools like that, uh, having your product in the training. Or like when we sold cable, we had that service at our office, and we'd walk them through the actual service, show them all the channels, show them what the, the guide looked like, whatever the case is. And, you know, we were always talking about something specific. You don't want to ever do an overall product knowledge training. You want to do specific. You want to break out pieces of the product and train specifically on that. Because what happens is over time, they become an expert over the whole product versus, you know, a jack of all trades or an average average uh, knowledge of the whole product that you want them to be an expert in the way that you create experts is you break up pieces of your product like in cable you know one day we'd be going over the channel guy right and what channel went in each package is you can create games with that too uh what channel goes in each package or the next day we'd be going over the dvr tech right the specifics of how many hours it can record in hd so these guys would start memorizing all this stuff you know what I'm saying? So they can have your product knowledge needs to be digestible. Product knowledge training needs to be digestible so that they can deliver it to a consumer casually, right? Uh, so they don't have to look down at their phone or look at an app or, you know what I'm saying, reference a flyer. So they can have a casual conversation with the customer. You'll notice that experts in their field don't need references in order to recite information to a customer. So it's, it's your job as a sales leader, as a sales org owner, org owner or a sales trainer to train them in such a way that they become experts on their individual products. All right, uh, one of my favorite things with product knowledge is to use outside resources, right? So AT&T was a big client of ours. They would visit our offices from time to time, and I would lift them up and put them in our sales training, our, our, uh, our meetings, and have them do product knowledge. Now, sales training is a touchier thing. AT&T uh, support or AT&T liaisons can't sell most of the time. I had a few that could. Most of the time, they're, they're not going to be good at the sales training piece. I let them do product knowledge training all day long because they know their product knowledge inside and out, Right. And so uh, use outside resources, bring in the experts on those products and so that they, they can help you do training there. And then, uh, okay, going back to the visual learners, audible learners, and, uh, uh, act, you know, whatever, active learners and games and stuff like that, I always, especially with the product knowledge, there would be something printed in their hands that they could reference, right? You've got all these technical numbers and stuff like that. You know, you want the uh, whiteboard training, but you want it in their hands too so that they can take it home and study it, right? This is stuff that they're not going to keep. They're just going to use it as a study guide like you used to in school and then come back the next day and have that information down. All right, after that, um, so that that's basically the product knowledge piece of the meeting and the way you deliver that there. 
uh, you're going to use less whiteboard and more visuals and printed notes in this. And you do, you want to see your people taking notes. If they're not taking notes, they're typically not engaged. And here's the thing, they never have to reference the notes again. There's something about typing out or writing down information that your subconscious retains it better. All right, so after that, we're going to get into the sales training. So just like you're, you've got this product, right, and you have different pieces of the product, and you take out a piece of that product and you train on it, you're going to want to do the same thing with your sales training. Typically, our sales training is broken up to uh, intro, qualify, present, close, overcoming objections, uh, turf, turf work strategy, um, and, and there's a bunch of different other sections of that sales training that we pull out and we train specifically on that. So make sure you're teaching inside the structure. And each time that you begin the training, you, you recognize, okay, hey, this is our structure. This is our sales process, right? This is the part I'm pulling out and that we're going to train on today, okay? So when you go through your sales training, and let's just say you're writing the training. It's not something that you've brought in from an outside source, you're going to want to write and teach in threes, fives, sevens, and tens. One of the hardest things to do is to remember what somebody is teaching you, and the human brains remember threes, fives, sevens, and tens. Okay? So if this is, uh, you know, how to overcome objections or something like that, you teach with five objections, five ways to overcome them, and then that's how you... You train that day. So getting to how to run the meeting in general, you know, and and I'm stopping here because I'm thinking about the way that people train on stuff like this. So, again, you want to avoid standing up in front of the room and talking for too long. So how do you bring out the energy of your guys, right? Because sometimes these meetings are 30 minutes all the way up to an hour. So how do you get their energy up? The whole thing with meetings is to maintain the energy level. One of the easiest ways to do that, right? We just did product knowledge, right? And so the energy starts, uh, you know, we're, we're learning in school again kind of thing. The energy starts going down. Well, the easiest way to do that is to bring the people in the training into the conversation. Every piece of the training is, has got to, you, you've got to train in questions so that the people that your training will be able to answer those questions and give their opinion on it. And that is the way that you keep the room engaged. It's not just you talking, it's you asking questions and them getting the answer right and then you doubling down on what they just said and walking them through the rest of the training, right? So teaching threes, fives, sevens, and tens. Like I said earlier, focus on the pieces, not the whole. Okay, and then a big, big part of sales training. So you... Cover, you pull out the section, you cover the concepts in that section, you're teaching in threes, five, sevens, and tens, and now it's time to execute on it, right? Hopefully you're only 25, 30 minutes into your meeting at this point, okay? So now it's time to get the guys up, get them active, get them moving, and get them pitching, right? So now we're getting into role play, okay? So role play doesn't always have to be the sales presentation. It can be a phone call. It can be, um, it can be a follow-up, right? It can be uh, role-playing to a referral partner. It can be role-playing to a room of qualified candidate or uh, qualified prospects. So 
It doesn't always have to be the actual sales presentation. So make sure you're mixing up the role play. You're mixing up the sales training. You're mixing up the product knowledge. If they hear the same thing every day, they're going to stop coming to your meetings. And they're going to start showing up late, right? So getting into role play, there's a few ways that we can role play. I'm going to give you some simple ones and not get too detailed here. But the, the first one is one versus one, right? This is the typical role play you see. This is something you can do easily over a Zoom call as well as in the, in the actual office. The biggest mistake that sales trainers make when they role play is they stop the role play. And this drives me nuts. It happens all the time. It's like, oh, no, they did it wrong. I got to stop them right then and there. People don't learn that way. Okay, if you keep stopping them and they can't get through their full presentation, they'll never get warmed up and they'll never give you their best. Okay, so let them get through the full role play before you give them your notes. So what I always did is I would three people would be at the front of the room. One of them's me. The other two are role playing. I'm basically there. um, Facilitating the role play. Right. But I'm, I'm quiet. I'm letting them go through the whole presentation. And, uh, and then what I'm doing off in the corner, I have my whiteboard in front of me. I'm giving myself bullet point notes, maybe one word on the whiteboard. So when they fuck up, I write it on the whiteboard. They can't, they, they're not paying attention to it. They're engaged with, uh, the role play. And that's my little mental note. Okay. I'm going to cover that. Right. They, they didn't build any rapport. They went straight into qualifying. So I'm going to cover that. They jumped from qualifying to presentation and back to qualifying. I'm going to cover that, you know. And so I, I write my notes. The more notes you got, the worse you did, obviously. It's crucial, especially when your people are new, that they get through full role play. So you got to remember, reps create experience. Experience creates experts, right? So let them get the full reps and then cover your notes with them. Afterwards, one of the things that um, I like to say is if he dies, he dies, right? So, and it's one of the most uncomfortable things when you have a new person and they don't know what to say. They don't know what to do, right? But don't let people save them. Don't let people feed them uh, words to say or sentences to say or what to do next. Don't let the person that is the customer that they're role-playing with save them either. Let them figure it out. After a while, you create a culture of this, right? And so what, what happens is they get backed into a corner, and then they either come alive or they fall apart. In any case, both things are teachable, right? So what, one of my favorite things to see is when someone doesn't have the product knowledge and they don't have the sales training, but they start BSing basically their way through it, right? Because this is where you get creative and you start accessing the creative part of your brain, let them do that. Let them have a chance to do that, I should say. And so if he dies, he dies. Make sure you let him die. Take notes and then coach them after that role play, right? So games are a big piece of these meetings. Again, the sales training type games, you're bringing the energy up. You're continuing to bring the energy up in the room, right? Role play brings the energy up. The guys are laughing. They're having a good time. A lot of times they rag on each other when they mess up. You know, you got to make sure it's all productive, right? But uh, so at, at this point, you're having fun. The energy's high in the room, and then you can get into things like a math game. One of our favorite things you used to do was to two salespeople go up to the board, 
and uh, they both have a marker, right? You got a white blank board. You give them a package. Now, hopefully your packages are different. You know what I'm saying? You give them a package, and the first one to be able to do the math and come up with the price, the correct price, wins. It's a simple game. You break the people into teams, points on the board, winner winner gets a $20 gas car. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Um, winner gets breakfast the next day, whatever the case is. Or, or they don't get anything. They just play the game, and they win. They got bragging rights, right? Um, that, that was one of my favorite things to do because, again, when you're in front of that customer, if you can't mentally give them a – even if it's an average price, right? This isn't – this is – I mean, you, you need to give them the correct price, right, when you're closing – but in different conversations require different things, and you're at different sections in the conversation. Um, if you can't give them a mental price, it makes the conversation a lot more difficult, right? You can give them a range and stuff like that, but you know we're always trying to close, especially in the lower ticket items. You know what I'm saying? You need to be able to mentally come up with that price. Higher ticket items, I understand. They're a lot more complicated. You have to do an actual quote, whatever the case is. But at that point, you're not you're not closing on... Uh, you're not closing on a price, you're closing on an appointment. And the appointment is where the quote is done and formulated, right? And when when that's happening, the customer knows that you have to do the calculation and everything, or you're bringing the quote to them and then closing them, right? But I'm talking about when you have a, your first contact and it's a product that you can price right then and there. You don't have to go to your pen and paper and, and write it down and everything. You create that mental that you, you flex that mental muscle. All right, so that's the sales training. Now it's time to have a little fun, get you guys loose before they go out in the field. Uh, a lot of this sales training is where the culture is created. And so there's there's a few games that you can play, and I, and I get it, guys. In, in your head, you might be like, I got 30, 40-year-old guys in this room. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't want to come to work and play games. Everybody likes games. Everybody likes sports. Uh, maybe a version of sports or they like playing some kind of game, chess, whatever the deal is, doesn't mean that you're going to play that at the end of the sales meeting. There's there's team-building games that you can play. One of my favorite ones, and then, you know, if you have a lot of young guys and they all think they're studs, right, play this game. It's called the ball game. I know. Crazy, uh, crazy simple on this one. All right, you got two tennis balls. And, the, you know, this can typically be played with uh, five people all the way up to about 15, right? you got two tennis balls. You have everybody circle up in the room. Two separate people start with two different balls, and they, y'all just start tossing them to each other. And inevitably, somebody, somebody drops one, right? And if you need to, you put more balls into the room, right? And so people eliminate themselves by dropping the ball. And uh, by the end of it, you've got two people left. And then you, you finish with two balls and put one in each person's hand. They start doing the same thing. And inevitably what happens is one person ends up with two balls, right? They throw both balls at the same time. They try to catch them. So you end up with a winner. The, the energy that comes from this, I know it sounds silly, but the energy that comes from this, and by the end of that, everybody's laughing, smiling, having a good time because they're now at this point they become fans, right? And so that brings me to my next game. It's called The Biggest Fan. If you know how to play rock, paper, scissors, you can play this game. All right, so you got a room of, let's just say, 20 people. All right? you Everybody find a partner, and y'all play rock, paper, scissors. All right? Whoever loses 
automatically becomes the biggest fan of the winner. So their job is to hype up the winner and cheer for them when they're playing another winner, right? So the winners find each other, and the losers hype up the winners that they lost to. And so what happens is it ends up being two people left, and then there's nine people cheering on one one of the final winners, and there's nine other people cheering on one of the other final winners, and the room is going nuts. Guys, we've been picked, kicked out of office parks because of this before, but we don't care. So anyways, and then finally one person wins, and everybody's going crazy at that point, and that's how you end your meeting, and it is beautiful. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, there's some other games that are a little more complicated, like Mafia is a real fun one. Look it up. Uh, just look up Mafia team building game. There's a lot of rules to that one. Characters, all kinds of stuff. Uh, one of the, the games that uh, Wayne has made famous within the Apex Circle is Ghetto Jeopardy. That's a real fun one. You can see some of our content has it in there. And basically, it's Jeopardy. Um, but we call it Ghetto Jeopardy because there's no buzzers or anything. And uh, so all all the rules of Jeopardy, you end up wagering whatever points you won throughout it at the end of the game and it's a lot of fun all right guys so that's the structure of your meeting especially if you're doing daily meetings i mean that's where this is coming from imagine having to create 20 to 22 meeting 20 to 24 meetings a a month right um and that's what we did and we did it over 13 offices you know and at one point the product knowledge and the sales training of the meeting was templated throughout all the offices we'd created at a high level what we were covering that day and then we'd send out the agendas to all the managers and they would fill in their their beginning and their end basically and then they would assign who was doing what piece of the sales training or the product knowledge and then they would uh it was a live form so we'd be able to see every day what was going on with all of our offices really cool stuff when you have a lot of salespeople. So some of the other tools that you can use around meetings is uh, Throwdown Thursdays is a real big one. So every Thursday, we basically, anybody that's been talking crap throughout the week, you know what I mean? It inevitably happens. Somebody talks smack and says, oh, you only got that sale because of this, or you're only ahead of me because I took a day off, or whatever the case is. All right, well, you think you're big shit? Throw it out. So that's where Throwdown Thursdays comes in. And what I love about Throw It On Thursdays is we all spend money on incentivizing and bonusing and, you know, appreciating our salespeople. But Throw It On Thursdays is about the two individuals involved, and that's it. That's the only ones that should either have to spend something or basically that there's a consequence, right? So Throw It On Thursdays have a consequence. So it's usually between two individuals and then the winner – uh has a consequence for the loser and sometimes the consequences are different you know we've done a hot dog straw so you got to drink a soda through a hot dog that was interesting we you know the the most fun one is to do is the pie in the face you know you get a trash bag put a hole in it put it over them if you got carpet make sure it's covered or just take it out to the parking lot and pie in the face you know and that's one way that you can motivate you guys too is they get to pie you in the face they get to pie the manager in the face they hit a company target whatever the case is this is all just fun stuff that you know obviously your level of salesperson matters if these are entry-level salespeople, this is great stuff 
if you got a six figure earner that never comes in the office, they're not going to be interested in that stuff. You know, like there's, there's levels to this game. These are when you have large groups meeting every day, right? So uh, another thing that we used to utilize a lot, especially in door to door was pre-shifts. Okay. So, you know, we'd have a meeting Monday through Friday, but then on Saturday we'd have a pre-shift. Okay. The whole, and uh, yeah, I'm going to get into that. The meeting cadence and why daily meetings and all that. But pre-shifts are a really cool tool, especially on holidays, right? So you got July 4th and stuff like that, Um, you know, Memorial Day, whatever the case is. So we, you know, Halloween is another one. And so when you had to hit the numbers that we had to hit, we worked on holidays like this, right? And so what we would do is we would do pre-shifts instead of the meeting to maximize our time in the field. The reason that you work holidays in direct sales is because people are home. And so... We'd maximize our time in the field by going, we do a pre-shift and we get tacos or whatever, we get breakfast, and then we go straight out to the field. There is no sales meeting that day. So pre-shifts is what we'd do, and then we'd wrap up by like four or five so everybody could go home and spend time with their families, right? And so that was kind of our hack for holidays. All right, so understanding why daily meetings, you know what I mean? Um, Again, it's the caliber of salesperson that you're employing. If you're doing call center, if you're doing door-to-door, if you're doing um, kind of those entry-level sales positions, it's important to have meetings daily. Meetings create accountability. They create a starting point for the day, right? And, and you may, like, if you have a call center, it may be a 10-minute meeting, you know what I'm saying? But it is a starting point. It is, all right, I need to start my engine. And then with a salesperson in general, I don't care if you're a half a million dollar producer or a $10,000 producer, you need to warm up, right? In order for you to have those conversations that you're having, you know, when you're pitching, you're doing presentations, you need to role play. You need to exercise your tool, which is your voice and your mind. And your mind needs to warm up and your voice needs to warm up. Your first pitch of the day, if you don't role play, if you don't, if you haven't engaged in any of that, it's going to be crap. And that's the bottom line. So daily meetings are important for that reason. But I understand you guys work remote, right? I have, uh, you know, our MDU team. They were referral-based salespeople. They were all six, or they are all six-figure earners, right? So they only meet, uh, they only have one virtual meeting a week, but they're also 1099 salespeople versus my solar sales team is W2, right? So I'm paying them to prospect every day and then they're getting paid commission on what they close, right? So that absolutely, you need to have a daily meeting because you're paying for something and you need to hold them accountable to that, okay? But on the remote side, right, my MDU guys, those are six-figure earners, they were building relationships, right? And uh, I definitely did want them role-playing every day, but it was one of those things. Like, they were 1099, so they were more long-term plays. They're not having a bunch of individual conversations trying to close deals every day because by the time the customer came to them, they were closed, right? And so it matters the position, but if you have an entry-level position, direct sales, daily meetings are huge for that. And in... It's funny. It's not funny. It's telling that over the last 
10 to 12 years, the people that didn't want to have daily meetings were sales centric. They weren't management or opportunity or company centric. And what I mean by that is over time, you could see that they really only cared about their sales, their commission, the production. They didn't care about the company culture. They didn't care about the opportunity that we were putting out in place and understanding that you had to have management at the office every day in order to recruit, in order to train, you know what I'm saying? So they weren't future leaders in the company. And people that have tried to go on, start their own other organizations and modify that piece of it, they haven't done well with it. They always end up doing daily meetings. And it's because of the accountability piece, but it, it is, it's a nice warm up every day. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's, it, it's like an athlete. They got to warm up before they go to the actual game, you know? So I'm always going to be big on that. Even if it's virtual, if you're remote, you know, you guys touch base every day. You have a start to the day. It builds culture. It builds accountability. It builds structure. And I had a big meeting with my, my team on Friday, and, and I talked to them about that. Like so many of us have really good weeks, we have really good months, we have really good years. We make these huge commissions and then we we let off the gas a little bit. We let off the gas, right? Who who listening to this can get a hundred thousand dollar check tomorrow, deposited in their bank account, and is capable of doing the same work they did today? No. I'm sorry, you're human. You know what I'm saying? Now, everybody's got different levels at which they operate. You know what I'm saying. If you're a half a million dollar a year producer and you get a hundred grand in one day, then that's, you know, it's about the percentage of impact uh, in relation to what you're making annually, right? Now, if you're, uh, you know, you make five million dollars a year, yeah, you can get a hundred thousand in one day and that's not a big deal to you. I understand that. But you get what I'm saying. When you get a large amount of money in one day, you know what I'm saying? You've done a bunch of work to get there. You do. You celebrate a little bit. You let off the gas, right? Well, the problem is when you have sales positions, they, and especially entry-level salespeople, or you have a high turnover position, they don't understand that letting off that gas is going to screw them in a week or in two weeks or in three weeks, whatever the case is. So what you do is you establish a minimum standard. You establish a scope of work. You establish daily meetings, and you establish a certain amount of them hitting a certain amount of prospects every day. I explained to my guys that all of, if I've had success in the past before, it's because I was relying on my talents. If I have success in the future now, is because of consistency. My talents only got me so far. It got me to roughly 250 to half a million dollars a year, Right. If I want to start making a million dollars a year, the people around me that are making a million dollars a year are incredibly consistent. They have their schedules locked in. They have their minimum numbers locked in. And so you've got to start training that at an entry level in your company so when they become leaders, it's just what we do. It's just what we do every day. It doesn't matter if we made 100000 the day before or if we made 10000 we're going to do the same thing today we did yesterday. Especially if you're self-centric. That's part of it. You've got to have that routine. You've got to be consistent. And one of the, the hardest things for me to realize is that I wasn't. 75 Hard taught me that, that I was not consistent. I was not disciplined, that I did not have my shit dialed in. 
And it's still something I struggle with today. Just being real with you guys. You have got to stop relying on your talents and start relying on your consistency. And then your talent's going to shine through no matter what if you're consistent. But if you have that combination, consistency times talent equals success, period. Right? But you got a talented motherfucker that isn't consistent, they may be semi-successful. But you know who's going to smoke them? The not-as-talented motherfucker that is consistent is going to be incredibly successful. They're going to smoke them every day. So daily meetings is a part of that. You can't have one form of consistency and not another. Or having sales meetings every week. But if you do once a week sales meetings, they better be just lit. And they better be able to feed on those throughout the whole week. Anyways, it's, it's a lively debate between sales leaders. And, and what I've come down to is it really depends on the position. But if I have a choice between daily meetings and once a week meetings, I'm choosing daily every time. Especially if I have W-2 salespeople or salespeople that want to be successful, period. That's just where I'm at. So, guys, hopefully you got a lot of value from this. I hope you took at least one tool that you can execute on tomorrow, today, and that it makes you some money. And if you have, please do me a favor and go to iTunes, go to Spotify, wherever you consume podcasts, and leave a review. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you guys so much. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Let's get going. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Until next time.